Abe Lincoln's Top Hat is brought to you by Audible.com. To sign up for your own free trial that helps us out just a little bit, go to audibletrial.com slash top hat and sign up. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Yep. Are we ready to go? Uh-huh. Welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. You got Ebola. I got Ebola. <laughs> we, all, we all got Ebola. Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. You've got it. Uh, that is wonderful. Yeah. This Ebola coverage, CNN has been wanting to do a comedy show for years. <laughs> I have gone into CNN multiple times with different people, uh, different agents, different managers, setting up meetings with CNN, and they're always like, yeah, we love comedy, we love humor, let's do a show. And they never pulled the trigger on one and tell Ebola. <laughs> Every single... A uh, piece of coverage that CNN, MSNBC, or Fox has had about Ebola is absolutely hysterical because you know what? You're not going to get it. You're fine. You're absolutely fine. Everyone is fine. Unless I, you are swimming in the juices of an Ebola victim. If you go to the West African poo pool <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you dive in with your mouth open, yeah. yes, you're going to get Ebola. But other than that, you're pretty much guaranteed to be fine. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, and I do think there is something to the time timing of this Ebola coverage. Obviously, we have the war against ISIS. ISIS just killed 5,500 people in the last six, month, uh, six months. Ebola, in the entire history of the world, has killed 4,000. Yeah. But all you hear about right now is Ebola, and I think there's a bit of a conspiracy. Ah. I do, because, you know, we had that one fellow who came over here. What was his name? Duncan was his last name, I believe. Uh, yes. And uh- he, had, he had three names, like all good, like all good uh, patriots do. <laughs> He was a three-name guy. He came over uh, after hanging out in West Africa, and what he helped out, he helped out a lady, right? That was his thing. He helped an elderly uh, elderly gal get to the hospital, Mm -hmm. came over here. He had a bit of the flu. Marcus, this is what I want to talk about. The TSA now is amping up regulations on uh, on flyers. They're taking uh, temperatures now. Everyone. Uh, Of everyone. You know, and, uh, you know, I hope it's rectal because that's (laughs) the only only way that I want my temperature to be read. But it's a scary time. There's more rules now being put in place because of Ebola. Marcus and I were just talking before the show, apparently, in Connecticut. What is this? It's a state of emergency. Yeah, it's a a declaration of public health emergency. This is a uh, release. It's a public health emergency declaration uh, that I found. A declaration. It says it's a declaration, (laughs) everybody. A declaration. I mean, you should only declare when you when you're in love. Yeah. You know, it's never good when it's about Ebola, and no one in Connecticut is gonna get Ebola. What's this declaration say? It says I authorize. This is the end of it. We're gonna skip through a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, hubbub. It says I authorize the commissioner of. This is from the governor's office. Mm-hmm. It says, I authorize the commissioner of public health to order the isolation or quarantine under conditions prescribed by the commissioner of public health of any individual or group of individuals whom the commissioner reasonably believes to have been exposed to, infected with, or otherwise at risk of passing the Ebola virus. What does that mean? So anybody, I mean, if, as we have, these, you can theoretically arrest somebody then who knows somebody who has a grandmother who died in Texas <laughs> theoretically. in 1983. Be like, well, you never know when the, well, he died. He, well, Duncan walked over her corpse and he was sweating profusely. And then the sweat went down into the grave and it, you know, infected the, uh, the corpse's, uh, you know, bone structure there. And of course, 
genetically that would probably transfer over to this person over here in Connecticut, so we're going to arrest him. Yeah, can, this is part of federal law right here. It says regulations prescribed under this section may provide for the apprehension and examination of any individual reasonably believed to be infected with a communicable disease. I mean, so that, that means that if the government believes that you may have a communicable disease, they can detain you indefinitely right. for as long as they believe or as long as they say that you are no longer contagious. And of course, you're not going to be the one that decides whether you're no longer contagious or not. No. This is Stephen King's The Stand. This We're is. all going to be Gary Sinise. <coughs> I'm fine. <coughs> I'm totally. <coughs> no, I feel great. I'm ready yeah. to go home now. I'm, <coughs> I'm ready to go home now. I mean, it is. That is absolutely. Absolutely insane. So the Ebola virus itself is not the threat. It's really the laws that are coming into place after the Ebola uh, virus came here. The the, the the virus itself, one dude died. I mean, people die all the time. It was We were talking before the show, one in 115 people commit suicide. One in six get cancer. One in seven die of heart disease. I mean, this is not the biggest threat uh, to society or to humans whatsoever. But the laws being put in place are so drastic and extreme right now. It really, you do wonder if this isn't just a huge... Um, situation where we're trying to distract from uh, current situations around the world. Yeah, or if it's a you know just kind of put in place as a control method. I mean, here in New right. York City, this is a, you know they had the guy here in New York City. They thought he might have Ebola. Turns out he didn't. He have didn't it. have a. He had the flu. He went. <laughs> he went. I mean, I think uh, the Daily Show actually took my joke, which I had first. Yeah. Uh, they they showed the picture of the uh, New York City buffet that is in a lot of these delis uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. And if you eat it, if you eat at one of those, I. Don't I don't care what David Blaine does. I don't care what uh, you know. Amazing stunts are, are, are pulled off by uh, Baumgartner, the the fellow who fell from space. Yeah, nothing's more dangerous than eating in a New York City deli. <laughs> That, that is a real risky maneuver. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I would say if you do go eat at a deli and you get sick and you die. You know what that is? Suicide. That's suicide. <laughs> because you know what you're doing when you go into a deli. Yeah. You know, there's sneeze guards, but you know what they don't have guards for? Urine. And they are full, <laughs> they are full of urine. There are New York City delis that serve sushi. Oh. What, what lunatic? No. What lunatic is eating a California roll from the New York City deli? I mean, it's madness. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. So, no, of course he didn't have it. Yeah. But this uh, healthcare worker in Texas that yes. treated this guy, uh, name is David Thomas Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh, David they, Thomas. Yeah. They treated him. Uh, the woman who treated him, apparently, or Thomas Eric, excuse me, Thomas okay. Eric Duncan. Uh, she treated him. She wore a gown, gloves, a mask, and a shield, but she was in extended contact with this guy. Okay. So she did contract the virus. No one is really sure how. It could have been she got She could have gotten pricked with a knee. Needle, something like that, but nobody really knows how right now. Dare I say sexual. <laughs> Dare I say it. The only way is to get Ebola, it's, it's uh, feces, saliva, semen, uh, diarrhea, or vomit. Yeah. That's it. And I suppose, yeah, an infected needle or something yeah. like that. So you could get Ebola from kissing someone? You can't. No. So what is the saliva? Well, no, I guess you could. Yeah, I, I guess, guess so. you could. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Watch out how you're getting kissy face with out there. Yeah, if they're all, oh, yeah, give me, um, <laughs> give, give me a kiss, baby. Give me a kiss, hun. And, you know, no, don't, unless you're wearing a hazmat suit, in which case do, because love is real. <laughs> you know, and don't let that stop you. No, I suppose a kiss could give it then. I mean, yeah. if they're a sloppy kisser. So basically what we're telling you here on this show is kiss clean kiss you know saliva free on the lips ah, speaking of ebola apparently ebola is most infectious right after death 
But West African burial practices, it seems like there, the part of the burial practice is kissing the dead body. Uh, let's end that one. <laughs> that would be the practice to end. Yeah, that's kind of like the the moils here in New York City giving the babies herpes after they give them circumcisions and they suck the blood out of the penis. Right, right, right. It's right. kind of the same thing. Just stop it. Well, Just don't God, do that anymore. If God didn't want us to cut off a little boy's extra skin with our teeth, then why did he make our teeth like scissors? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah so, that's, so that is a possible reason why the disease has spread so much. Because yeah. Because obviously every time somebody dies, that course gets kept, uh, kissed by, what do you think, five or six, yeah. maybe ten individuals? They all got the Ebola. Yeah, plenty. It says uh, Ebola is spread only by people exhibiting, and this is from NPR, by the way, so oh, this, okay. is a good, this is a good source. Ebola is spread only by people exhibiting symptoms and through direct contact with bodily fluids. Mm-hmm. Once a person recovers from Ebola, they're no longer shedding the virus and thus not contagious. In past Ebola outbreaks, follow-up studies of patients who have recovered from Ebola and the contacts found no evidence the Ebola virus was spread from a recovered patient to their close contacts. So after hmm. someone is recovered from Ebola, they're the fine. virus is gone. Yeah, 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 it's fine. It's gone. So it's why like, it's we- like the flu. I don't. Why is this being so blown out of proportion? That's what I want to know. Again, four thousand people. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know that. That I mean, it's sad. You know, four thousand people dead. You know that is not a great thing. You never no. want to hear it. But it is not the largest tragedy that's ever existed on the face of the planet. I mean, people are dying. What is it? Fifty-five a year get hit by subways. Yeah. You know, there's no. Uh, you know, no one. No one's. Uh, you know, terrified of the MTA. I mean, unless you're running late, yeah, you know, and then you know they're never going to pick you up on time. No, but that's a whole nother story. I mean, why do you think everyone is so concerned about it? And let's get into this idea of racism as well, by the way. And uh, Jesse Jackson apparently came out and said uh, Mr. Duncan died because of uh, because of racism, but I didn't know Ebola was racist. He said, <laughs> I, you know, like, I just feel like a, I just imagine like a bullet in a white clan hood. He's like, let's get all the blacks. Yeah, I'm a bullet. Well, yeah, starting Africa. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, what's up, Ebola? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm King Ebola. Let's go get all the blacks. Uh, you know, I just can't imagine that was something that the virus thought of. Yeah, Grand Wizard Ebola. <laughs> right. uh, Jesse Jackson said that Thomas Duncan died because his race and lack of privilege kept him from receiving the care he needed. He went to a great hospital. I believe it was, uh, what was it, Mount Sinai in in, uh, in Dallas? Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. The Texas, Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital. Uh, a great hospital. It was uh, Warren Buffett swears by it. Oh, um, and so does uh, whatever uh, one of these other Texas fellas, the, the Calhoun, Calhoun, uh, fucking Slim, Slim, yes, <laughs> Slim. Stuff. It is. It's like Slim. Yeah, it's uh, Slim uh, It's the guy that's in, it's the guy that's into all of the wind power and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. T Boone Pickens. T Boone Pickens. <laughs> God dang it! If he ain't stealing all the tobacco, <laughs> T Boone Pickens. Man, that is not a name that you would say. Oh, he's a billionaire. Yeah, no. like you know. Like, Richard Shawcroft, yeah. T Boone Pickens. Which one's the billionaire? <laughs> it ain't T Boone. No, but so Jesse Jackson. But that's insane because um, it's not about it's not about race whatsoever. And as we've seen, I mean, if it, it's about money, I mean, look at Magic Johnson. For Christ's sake, yeah. it's about money. If these diseases were about race, Magic Johnson wouldn't have been the first one to kill AIDS. <laughs> It's about money and finances and the ability to do, uh, you know, to, to conquer, uh, you know, 
to get to, to get people to uh, you know be on your side and get the pharmaceutical companies to make the product that keeps you alive because everyone loves Showtime. <laughs> well, Jesse Jackson. That's what Magic said. Well, Jesse Jackson is joined in his complaint by Dallas County Commissioner John Wiley Price. And okay. What Price said he said it is historical what has happened in this community. If a person who looks like me, with Price by the way is black, uh, shows up without any insurance, they don't get the same treatment. So that's what they're saying. If a white guy had showed up without uh, insurance at this hospital. He would have gotten better care because this guy, of course, as we know, uh, he came into mm-hmm. Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital, Mr. Duncan did, uh, and he was turned away and they right. failed to screen for Ebola. So they're saying if it was a white guy, they would have screened for Ebola. But on I the mean, other hand, knows? it seems like if Ebola is a virus that is initially in Africa, you'd think that you would pay more attention to the black guy who has Ebola-like sure. symptoms. Sure. I mean, uh, he also, you know, I don't know if he fully disclosed that he was in West Africa. No, he did uh, not. When he, he went yeah, into the he, hospital, he which not. probably would have led to some red flags. I, I think mean, so. you're, I, I mean, you can't. I mean, you this can't. This one's take, a stretch to me. Yeah, you can't take every person who comes into the hospital with flu-like symptoms in the entire United States and test them for Ebola. No, at like, some point, as a doctor, you just have to be like, "Go home and shit yourself." <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm a doctor. Yeah. I, there's somebody that has a knife in their head in the waiting room right now, and he's three people behind the guy who currently uh, has a beaver eaten off half of his life. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, these hospitals are—they're busy. I don't think that Ray, I, I cannot imagine. First of all, it also implies this notion that somehow everyone in the world is white. Yeah. Except for the victim that that happens to be black in this situation. What if the, nur- the nurse might have been Indian or might have been, uh, you know, um, Hawaiian or might have, who knows? Yeah. You know, so it, this implication that he was treated poorly, and it, uh, it does imply that it was white racism. Yeah. When you say the term racism, it implies white people being, uh, you know, prejudiced against anybody of color. Oh, and well, stuff like this happens in a place like Dallas. Like if you, if Jesse right. Jackson sees, oh, it happened in Dallas and Texas. Oh, right. oh boy, I got an easy day ahead of me. Exactly. But you know, that's the whole game of it. That's the whole game. When we interviewed Eric Reynolds, the arresting officer for two out of the five, the arresting officer for two out of the five of the Central Park Five. No one once mentioned that he was black. No. In any of the documentaries or things like that. Uh, you know, so I, I do think that, you know, these things get blown way out of proportion and people just immediately jump to like, white doctor didn't help black patient. Mm. Racist. Yeah. As opposed to black patient just going in there. And it, for all intents and purposes, a flu is not a life-threatening situation. <laughs> so if you do go into the hospital and you have a flu, again, like I just said, a dude has a knife in their head. You know, there's somebody who is you know, violently vomited into a bucket who has, you know, God knows what mm-hmm. uh, going on. So if someone just comes in and be like, nah, I got a bit of a, I, got, I feel hot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like hot. You know, I mean, that's not going to be priority number one. No. And all you have to do is, you know, you give the guy some fluids and right. you send him on his way. Right. You know? So we have then now, so we have one person confirmed dead and now another person, the nurse that treated him, is uh, is also getting sick. So that's two people. And she'll be fine. Because she'll be that, fine. Because they caught it early. The reason right. why this guy died is because they caught it so late. He was right. in the later stages of it. And, of course, the later you go into it, the harder it is to treat. He had some of Naturally. the best medical minds uh, in the country working on him, and uh, they weren't yeah. able to save him. But yeah. if you wait such a long time, then you're 
probably going to die. You would think it was the bubonic plague. Yeah. The way the media is covering it, you would think this you're guaranteed, you're lucky not to have it. Yeah. Oh, you're one of the people who don't have Ebola? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Get with the game. <laughs> Get in the game. Get with the cool kids. Get the Ebola. Yeah. I mean, it's really insane. It's, it's insane the way that the fear monger, and you can see it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. People are like, "What is, is it airborne? How do I get it? How do I avoid it? I mean, people just bite on this shit, hook, line, and sinker, and it's, it's it, you're not going to get it. There's a company that makes hazmat suits. Their stock Through has the ri- roof. Their stock has risen 50% in the last couple weeks. So now there's just a- And pe- hazmat suits are disposable. There's just a bunch of people with bad fashion. Yeah. That's all <laughs> That's all the Ebola thing has led to. A yeah. hazmat trend. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I saw a video of, uh, you know, it said, you know, Ebola is coming. Ebola is here. And it showed, uh, it showed some guys in hazmat suits walking through the airplane. But what they didn't say is what that actually was, was that fucking idiot who told an entire passenger plane that he had Ebola. That guy that was joking, he was just like, <laughs> boy, I ha- he said, I have Ebola. You're all screwed. I mean, it's an hilarious joke, and I, I don't think the guy, well, you know what? Okay, you know what? I'll give up. It's not the funniest joke on earth. No. But as a man who has said some jokes that aren't necessarily the funniest ever, no. but they're still better than the vast majority of jokes. That is yeah. my a lot of my jokes. <laughs> um, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit, you know? It's yeah. the, it, it was, um, it's the I got a bomb. I got a bomb. That's it. it. That's it's, all it is. Yeah. It started with fire in the theater. Then it went to bomb in the airplane. And now we're at Ebola with a cough. Yeah. Right in the air. I mean, you know, the overreaction is absolutely insane. And I'll tell you, if you have Ebola, the last thing you say to yourself is, I think I have Ebola. You know what you say to yourself? I think I'll make it. <laughs> I think I'll make it okay. I think I'll beat this. You never say, oh, I have Ebola yeah. when you have Ebola. Yeah. You pretend like you don't. <laughs> Well, you go to the hospital. You tell you go them to the you, hospital. Have, uh, you tell Maybe. them I might have Ebola. Maybe. I, wouldn't gonna... tell, I don't tell doctors nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, I feel ill. They, they diagnose you. I mean, everyone and their mother thinks they have Ebola now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And you see, I mean, Facebook is just full of, you know, disinformation. It's, or I wouldn't say disinformation. It's full of misinformation. Yeah. People just posting one fucking thing and then a ton of other people responding to it. And it just fucking cycles out. Because, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of my Facebook friends are from Texas. You know, right, a lot right. of them are people from back home. And they're all freaking out because it's in Dallas. It's like right. you're not going to get it. But right. what, uh, speaking of Facebook... Well, they might get it if they keep on eating that cow bush meat they've been gnawing <laughs> on. Every cow that fall, falls asleep on the side of the road and gets run over uh, gets eaten at some point. But you're right. It's not uh, disinformation because yeah. disinformation implies a rational mind behind the delivery of the information that is purposely trying to, uh, you know, um, give people misinformation. Misinformation is just people who are just like, this is true. Yeah. And it's not true whatsoever. Absolutely not. And speaking of Facebook, uh, I am also a follower of the Facebook group, uh, the International Congregation of Lord Rael. Lord Rael. Who we have covered uh, many times on last podcast yep. and a couple times on this show. That very quick overview, he's a false messiah who has tricked about uh, 2,000 people into believing that he's the second coming. Did you, of, say, did you say false Did you say false messiah? I think you uh, miss, uh, misspoke fat messiah. <laughs> he's the fat messiah. But his whole thing is the apocalypse is coming and if you're not a follower of Lord Rael then you will be chastised that's Uh, his favorite word you're going to be chastised (laughs) uh, and stuck in America while things fall apart due to uh, weather uh, and various other 
natural phenomenon. Right. He takes credit for the, the hurricanes in Kansas yeah, he, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, hurricanes, tornadoes, forest fires, cold winters. He takes he takes credit for cold winters. Mm, yeah. Really uh, good. But what they're saying is, of course, there is a... It's so funny to see these people kind of post everything about Ebola because one person will post that, you know, Ebola is about to become airborne. Right. And they're not telling us that Ebola is about to become airborne and the entire country is about to be infected with it. And then the very next person right. will post that Ebola is fake and they are uh, trying to play it up so they can declare martial law. And right. then once they declare martial law, then they're going to start taking citizens out of their homes and putting them into FEMA death camps. I mean, I actually agree with the second half. <laughs> you know, I, you never know. It, it is. Yeah. It, I agree with that much. I agree with the idea that Ebola is fake far more than uh, the idea that Ebola is going to kill us all. Yeah. I mean, that's the much more reasonable thing. I mean, right. looking at that. I mean, I will admit I did find that uh, that Connecticut thing through uh, a uh, Ryel wormhole that I have crawled down earlier today. Well, the Ryel, the, the congregation is is doing well. They got their thinking caps on and thank God for them. <laughs> their thinking caps? <laughs> Yeah, they, they got, got a thinking cap. They on? have a thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah the cap that you wear when you want to think. It's yes. the thinking cap. Everybody knows it and everybody loves it. Yeah, and, no doubt about it. And of course, I learned all of that information through memes. They they right. they're very good about condensing every bit of information down to meme form. So you can just kind of scroll right on past yeah. and think, oh, FEMA death camps. Okay, that's in my head. Now let's just right. go. I'm just going to believe that there's some big white text and an impact font on yeah. a picture that looks scary. So. That's what I'm going to believe. The FEMA death camps are hilarious because it, it, it relies heavily on the idea that FEMA can do anything right. <laughs> the idea that they could actually have a camp that yeah. could run, even if it's just run to kill people and run like properly and effectively, I don't think they could do it. I don't think, I don't so think they're smart enough to run a death camp. No, <laughs> FEMA is too inept. To murder a mass amount of people. Well, apparently, from what I've heard from various sources, uh -huh. uh, is that there are there is a stockpile of guillotines out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah they're going to kill everyone with guillotines. Yeah, because that is the simplest way. I mean, it, God forbid we try to get them to do the fucking lethal injection or uh, the electric chair. Right. Both of those things are very difficult to do right. Right. And also is very expensive. But the guillotine, slop, done. Next. This is where both sides of the aisle are wrong. Liberals believe that the government can solve all their problems, and conservatives believe the governments are going to be able to take over the world. Governments can't do shit because they're run by idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Just, like, yeah. you know, maintain and keep your own, uh, keep uh, keep on doing what you're doing, and I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah. I mean, seriously, just look at your next-door neighbor. Look, right. at your, look at how smart your next-door neighbor is and realize that the people in government, the people that are in charge, are just as dumb as your next door your neighbor. Your next door neighbor is one sign away from being a congressman. <laughs> All you have to do to be a congressman is put signs in people's yards and go door to door like a vacuum sales clean uh, sales uh, men or, or a Girl Scout cookie uh dare I say, diabetes deliverer. <laughs> These Girl Scouts need to be destroyed and stopped. All they do is spread diabetes all around. But that's all your neighbors are. So, yeah. you know, government is not, uh, is not smart enough to even hold you in a death camp, so don't worry about it. But it is interesting. We also had the story with, uh, with the Ebola, the people that uh, Duncan's family, they were, they were detained for quite a while, and they still mm -hmm. are detained. And they were in their little apartment for the longest time, but now they are living in a very nice house, and they have video games and stuff like that, and they're only getting tested. They get tested twice a day. But I think for the most part, 
relax. Yeah. Have a vacation. <laughs> you know, if, if you feel a little bit sick, maybe maybe tell your boss, I, I have a little bit of a flu. You know, my temperature is 101, yeah. 102. Your boss is going to take you seriously. Only for this time in the history of your life, because this is the only time that we're ever going to talk about Ebola. Yeah. This is it. This is going to go the way of the Malaysian plane. This is just another news cycle. Yeah. This is not a real event that actually has any ramifications down the road. It's funny how Ebola was went away for such a long time. Because I remember yeah. when we were kids, Ebola was the big deal. It like, had an uprising. I'm thinking when we were in junior high, I seem to remember. Yeah, right. because we were talking about it in the left side of the field house. So It's sort of like Bill Murray's career. <laughs> you know, it's like Caddyshack, amazing, Ghostbusters, wonderful. Where'd he go? Oh, now he's on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, that's kind of how Ebola is. So uh, whatever you know, they want to use it for, that's what it's going to be used for right now. And as long as it's no longer useful, uh, then it'll go out of the public eye. And there are plenty of things, right. very important things that have happened in the last couple months that have gone out of the public eye. Totally. Michael Brown and Ferguson. Michael what Brown. the fuck happened with that? Nothing. Like, you just don't hear anything about it uh, these days. Like, it just com- it just got swept right out the fucking door. The Obama, uh, uh, Barack Obama, uh, you know, President Obama, he mentioned Ebola, uh, uh, the war on Ebola in the same speech as he mentioned the war on ISIS. These are, like, different things. <laughs> uh, but somehow they're being tied together. And you get the feeling he also mentioned Ferguson and ISIS. You get the feeling that he wants to um, constantly bring up something other than just ISIS alone, so he never yeah. actually has to address ISIS as an individual situation. That because uh, it's going to be, it, there are people that are going to die, yeah, and people are dying all the time. They're about to take Kobani, and I always make the joke, "Oh, I love their yogurt," and that's a joke because <laughs> the yogurt's Chobani, yes, and Kobani is spelled with a K. But um, but he always attaches something else to it. So it was Ferguson that was hot in the news for two, uh, two and a half months maybe. Okay, two and a half months. Jesus, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Okay, uh, yeah, it was in and out, uh, in and out, and uh, and now you know that's kind of you know the legal process is going on and it's not so exciting anymore. Although I think the streets of Ferguson are about to ride at any any moment. Yeah, uh, because I, I I'm not sure if this cop is even going to get past the grand jury, which is insane because the grand jury's job is simply to say there is. Evidence evidence to uh, prosecute. Yeah. That's it. It's not guilty or not guilty. It is simply like, oh, yeah, you say, you could literally say anything. To, I saw him take a dump on the slide. Okay, go to trial. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, you know, whatever it is. It, it is it's a supposed rubber stamp, except for in this situation in Ferguson, which seems to be interesting because it, um, it, it seems to be like it might completely halt all justice entirely, yeah. which is, anyway, that's a whole other story, and it's um, it's very interesting. But uh, but now, okay, so that's out of the uh, public eye. Now we have Ebola. Ebola and ISIS in the same speech. It's never about just ISIS. And ISIS is an actual threat. Yeah. This is a true story. You know, there are people, I just put a story about two Austrian teenage girls. Yeah. The 15 and 17-year-olds who rebelled against their parents, which is fine. You're 15 and you're 17. That's great. They rebelled against their parents. Um, which is normal, but then they went over to join ISIS, which is like, fuck you, mom and dad. I'm going to one of the most conservative groups in the face of the planet. <laughs> On the face of the planet, I'm going to the place where I can't even wear shorts, dad. That's how much I hate you, dad. So, of course, they went over to uh, uh, to Syria. They did all the routes. You know, they went through Turkey. I mean, a real journey, a real fifle went crazy. Uh, that was a play on Fifle Goes West. Yeah, I got it. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, sure enough, six months later, they're like, mm, can we go back? Yeah. Can we get back home, please? And they're also pregnant. Oh, they're, of course, immediately, as soon as they got there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure no 15-year-old or 17-year-old girl 
desperately desires to get pregnant. I assume they went over. I mean, maybe some do. Yeah. But uh, I assume they went over there under the guise of being a freedom fighter. They saw the weaponry. They saw like you know the militia groups. And apparently there was a um, a, a fellow uh, that that attended uh, the uh, that, that spoke at the mosque that they, that they went. Yeah, the to, imam. Uh, that uh, that really got him fired up for it and, and things like that. So they're over there just living this miserable life. Those are real stories. I mean, those are two people. That is double the amount of people in America that have currently died from ISIS or from uh, <laughs> I mean, from Ebola. Now I'm confusing them from Ebola. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is it's insane. There are real threats in the world, and none of them involve involve Ebola. Yeah, Ebola is it, 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 it's a figment. Of our imagination in a lot of ways. I mean, it's a real problem in it, West Africa. It is a real problem. Yeah, but again, even in West Africa, it's 4,000 people. Yeah. I mean, it is an issue, and, but they're taking care of it. it it's just not the... It is not the it global is, threat. It is not a domestic problem for anyone domestic. but Liberia. Right. And Nigeria. And they're like working those, on those, it. Yeah, and they're working on it. That's Stop fine. kissing the corpses. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just stop kissing the corpses. That's going to take care of a lot of those cases. Right, right. But there is, you're right. I mean, there there are some very real things that are going on right now that are, because, I mean, and I think it's not, maybe it's not the government blown out of proportion. I think it's just that the news knows that well, we love a good plague story. You know the thing How many is- times have you seen Outbreak? Oh, I mean, Outbreak's a great movie. Yeah, how many times? But, like, that's the thing is that we love a good plague story. Mm. Contagion, that was a big hit, you mm. know? Like, they're, everyone loves a good plague story. Yeah. That's why zombies are so fucking popular. If I ever have an ex-wife, I'm going to send her a monkey and hope it scratches her. <laughs> it's guaranteed to give her an outbreak. Yeah. I had a... Uh, it was interesting. I, I've been working a lot with uh, with our mutual friend, Saman or Bobby. We're working on a show, uh, on a show right now. And uh, we were discussing CNN and, uh, you know, because CNN is always theoretically looking for comedy shows, like we mentioned earlier in the episode. And the only reason they get um, viewers, the the people that go to CNN is for breaking news. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, MSNBC, you know, you're going to get your liberal, uh, you know, insanity. Uh, Fox News, you know, you're going to get your right wing uh, wackiness. And so only breaking news is when CNN gets the eyes on it because yeah. people respect it as a news institution. Yeah, you know so, you're going to get what's going on. Right. Theoretically. Theoret- That's theoretically, yeah. Everything is breaking news for CNN. Yeah. So um, that, that Malaysian plane, this is the exact same thing. Breaking news. Everything is breaking news. And this Ebola virus, they just milk it for all it's worth. And there are so many more issues. The situation in Hammond, Indiana, where that poor family got pulled over by these Jesus. unbelievably fascist, racist. And I, and I, you know me, if you've listened to the show, I never say the term racist. But I don't know if there's another term for it. This is 100% uh, racism. This is crazy. If you haven't seen this video, uh, look up Hammond Police Break Window and Tase Men on Live Leak. This video is terrifying. It's terrifying. It is a true, uh, you know, for the listeners of last podcast on the left, I mean, we've listened to 911 phone calls. We've listened to uh, Jonestown, the Jonestown tapes, which, uh, by the way, I have a very funny, <laughs> I have a very funny Jonestown yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but this, uh, this piece of video that is filmed by the 14-year-old son in the backseat as his 10-year-old sister cries uh, is one of the most powerful things you'll ever hear. And it is a true... Uh, example of police gone completely crazy. We just had a police officer steal thirteen hundred dollars off of a person in Coney Island. Yeah, uh, a, a black fellow who was uh, who was saying, "Hey, stop beating that dude." And the cops were like, "What was that?" And then you know, the guy had thirteen hundred bucks to go on a date. 
Uh, the cops yeah. just took that. I mean, and he showed up with his pay stubs I mean, it's to the police station. Yeah. Said, Look, I made this. This is legal. Totally and he's legal. Having a, such, he's having a terrible time getting it back. Yeah. So th- there needs to be something. And again, we are not a extreme left wing or right wing uh, program, but the cops need to, there needs to be something uh, in the society that n- it needs to change when it comes to how officers and citizens uh, treat one another. Yeah. If you haven't seen this video, uh, what happens is there's a, a family. Of uh, about four people, four, the cops yeah. the cops stop uh, the woman who's driving because she's not wearing a seatbelt. And this is another problem. This is where liberal policies fucked up. It's a primary in, uh, a primary violation in in in, uh, in Indiana. So you can just get pulled over, and that could be the only cause. Yeah. In a lot of other states, it's a secondary violation where they're like, "Well, you were uh, masturbating while driving, and uh, so that's fifty bucks." And then. $75 fine for not wearing a seatbelt, too. We're just going to tack that on top. And yeah. then the guy's like, I didn't even come. He's like, well, that's uh, another 50 <laughs> buck fine for you there because you couldn't even jack off in your car. Right? In Texas, it's a primary vol- violation as well. Which is uh, where liberal policy, I think, is completely wrong. Yeah. You know, there is there should be no – basically, uh, a cop can – there is so many reasons that an officer can pull you over, and this is just another one. Yeah. And, and so the two co- – the one cop is on one side. The uh, other cop is on the passenger side. And uh, the father is over on the passenger side. Right. Uh, and he's got the uh, the window cracked just a little bit. Just and so they can communicate with yeah, each other. So like when you're talking to a priest and you're like, yes, I uh, shat on my – I shat on my sister's bed. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. And the cops are trying to get him to come out for no reason. They don't no. tell him why. No. No reason to get out of the car. No reason at all. Mm-hmm. And the and the woman driving even mentions like there's people getting shot out there by cops. I mean, so there's this whole culture of fear yeah. that the cops have. I I think in a lot of ways rightfully deserved. I think I mean, so. This kid didn't go out to make a Scorsese movie. This kid <laughs> in the back seat, he wasn't like I'm making my Chinatown today. Yeah, you know, or what is it Chinatown? I think it's Chinatown. Uh, you know, it it. it, it it is. These are. This is real. Yeah, this is very real. I mean, this kid took out his phone to record this for a reason. There's no edits. No. You know, this kid isn't splicing together a bunch of bullshit. You no, know, not at all. And this kid was actually very smart to uh, videotape was. this uh, this conversation because it makes you think: How many times does this go completely right. unrecorded? How many times does it just happen? And that's what happened to that person that day. Right. Like that's right. that's it. And it's then, like a it's like a porn star. You know, you see her blow one dude on camera. <laughs> how many do you think she's actually blown? <laughs> exactly. You know? So many. So, so many. So the cop is trying to get this guy out of the car, uh, and the the two cops. Uh, there's two cops on the passenger side now, and and one of them calmly walks up to the window right. and he says, so you're not going to get out of the car? And the guy says, no. And the cop just calmly picks up his club and smashes out the window. It was window. a window smasher. Like, it, it was, was a, a specific window smasher device. Really? Yeah, it was a fire poke looking device. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he smashes out the window mm-hmm. and then tases the guy right. and pulls him out of the car. Right. And the people and, and the little girl starts crying, of course. And the mother, the only thing she can say is she just goes... That was crazy. Right. He's like, that was just fucking completely, as you said, completely shell-shocked. She was completely stunned. I mean, you know, it makes that video, the Don't Tase Me Bro video, seem a little bit less funny. But That white guy was on the front lines of social justice. (laughs) We should have looked at the Don't Tase, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, there was a video, I think it was about five or six years ago. Yeah, it was a while back. This white, you know, douche, probably Connecticut or something like that, looked to be waspy and wealthy. So, of course, naturally, everybody hates him. Yeah. Um, But he he was making a ruckus, and the cops tased him, and he said, Don't Tase 
tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. And it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of one of those people you want to see get tased. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, this one, on the other hand, is... Opposite. Yeah, the opposite of that. It's very yes. disturbing. It is uh, very and disturbing. even after, you know, 90 seconds goes by, and they pull this guy off of the ground, and they handcuff him. Right. Like, they handcuff him, they pull him off the ground, and, again, and he's saying... what? Get it... For what? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They don't tell. And they handcuff him, and they take him, and they arrest him for no reason. Right. Uh, there is no reason whatsoever. It's like being re- It's like being arrested. Like, when we've talked to Jim, Jim Paul Bo- about, yeah. about this, is being arrested for resisting arrest. Right. Exactly. And that's the only charge. And that's, that's the only charge they can give that's this it. guy. Uh, and you can't say, like, what, he was being uncooperative? So you have the right and the left both making laws that, lead to this. Yeah. That's what happens. You got the seatbelt law for him getting pulled over and you have the unbelievably conservative laws where they allow cops to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. And I don't see how like this. I'm and this also makes me think is like, you know, there's there's just something that, that I think about a lot. You know, people say like, oh my God, look at all the, the horrible things that are happening in this world. And it's not that there are more horrible things happening now than there ever has been. It's just that we have access to all right. of the horrible things. You know, well, that, like look at the like the stories we cover on Roundtable, all those yeah. weird fucked up stories. Right. That's always been happening. It's just that now we have access to a, you know, the website of a newspaper in a small right. town right. in Missouri. Right. And of course, you know, yeah. Back in the, you know, in the civil rights era, you know, the 50s and 60s, 40s, uh, you know, obviously before the, the cops used to terrorize these black communities and give people curfews. And, you know, there was there's I, I forget. I think it's uh, Stokely Carmichael that has a story where uh, there was a cop that used to just come around and just say, um, you know, if you if I see you back here in five minutes, then, you know, everyone's just pretty much getting getting their ass kicked. You yeah. Know? And it's just it is bizarre to see it. Um, it I, I don't know. I, I can't say it's gotten worse. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it seems as if it hasn't gotten good uh, enough. You yeah. know, like we're not there yet. And it could be that, you know, it's just now there are just so many people that have access to these cheap cameras. Because, right. you know, before the having a video you know, camera, that was the realm of the wealthy. And now right. video cameras on phones are standard. Everyone's got a video camera. And now the poor are fat and the wealthy are thin. <laughs> so think about that. <laughs> You know, but, yeah. but that's why there's a great, uh, you know, chief in uh, in Miami Dade. Uh, all the cops in his, uh, you know, precinct and that he that he watches over, they all wear cameras. Yeah, and that should be, and, and that's perfect. And crime rate uh, reports of citizens calling in and be like, "I was beat by the cops," uh, that weren't actually beat by the cops because that happens all the time as well. Yeah, and then and also cops, uh, you know, acting insane when you realize that you're constantly being recorded, you behave a little bit differently. Yeah. Now, I don't think this should happen for every citizen. I don't think we should always wear cameras everywhere we go. Although there's a hell of a lot of douchebags uh, currently that I've seen walking around Manhattan with uh, a series of new cameras. I've seen them on their hats and the, on their uh, the shirts. Huh. There's a new like a lapel camera or something, and I can it it, it looks very bad. Yeah. I saw a couple of people with Google goggles the other uh, day. Google glasses. Google glasses. Nah. They look bad. They look horrible. Yeah, you look like a fat Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> you know, every time I see the Universal Soldier, you know, yeah. get away from the buffet. Um, they're all obese, but I think that would really help if all the officers were constantly recorded, being recorded, and knowing that they were. Because yeah. I mean, you should be able, you should be able to get a SAG after card when you're pulled over, because that's how much camera time you should get. Yeah, you know, you should be able to do it every time you get pulled over. The cop should have a, a camera on him, and you should do a tight five just in case that's your big break. <laughs> you never know when American Idol is gonna, you know, be, be viewing that wonderful footage. Yeah. Uh, well, there have been 
uh, reports of police officers who have the cameras on. There's right. a complaint against them, but they say, oh, my camera was malfunctioning at the time. Oh, yeah. So that's also a possibility. But right. more often than not, these people are going to be acting on their best behavior. Uh, and right. we were talking before the shows, like, the you know, those cops knew that they were being filmed, uh, and yet they still acted this way. Right. I kind of have a feeling that the cops didn't know they were going to be filmed, because if the cops knew they were going to be fil- they were being filmed, they would have been screaming Turn off that camera. Turn off that camera. Yeah, I mean, it was just a cell phone camera. I do think there was a moment where the cop kind of looks at the uh, at the kid. I don't think that they... That's the problem. I think that they did know they were being filmed, and I don't think that they realized that their actions were so unbelievably, dare I say, anti-American. <laughs> yeah. Abhorrent. You know, they. Yeah. I don't think that they realized how a- awful their actions were. Combined, they, have, I believe, have several, seven civil rights... Uh, um, pending cases against them. They have seven civil rights complaints against them. That number might be wrong, but for a fact, all of them, every single officer has at least one uh, previous civil rights complaint. It's just like the guy in the Eric Garner case that had a complaint for flicking the genitals of a man that he had stopped on the street six months prior. Funny joke, but not not a good move when you're an officer. Funny joke for a sixth grader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that he tapped his genitals. It's these morons that get into the police force because they're not smart enough to be firemen. They're not uh, uh, athletic enough to join the Army. They're not smart enough or athletic enough to be Marines. They certainly can't be athletes because they're white. Um, You know, they are just, they have, these are people who have uh, pent-up aggression. They're not smart enough to figure out how to win wars verbally or, you know, with, uh, with thought or with argument. The only way that these people can have the power that they need in order to justify their existence is the police force. Yeah. That's it. Because you can be, I mean, these, they're glorified. I mean, they're stooges. You know, they're just, they're, they're, they're the lowest rung on the mob. Yeah. And it's not they're all, you know, not all fucking no, cops are terrible. Like, you know, like there are plenty of great cops. Oh, there, yes. there are probably more good cops out there than bad. Absolutely. You know, but the good cops, you know, they, they get, they go up the ranks, they become detectives. They, yeah. you know, there are some wonderful cops. Every single day, somebody has a situation uh, where a cop helps them out. Yeah. I've asked cops for directions. You know, I've seen cops. Cops being great. You know, they're just people. But it's it's those low rung traffic duty. You know, just the 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 irony is the dumbest cops are put in the positions where they have the most communication with the general public. Yeah. Because that's considered the shit job. <laughs> yeah. You know, a detectives like, yeah. I'm not hanging out with the local yokels. I don't care. I'm yeah. going to go solve a murder. Yeah. That's what I do. Getting busted down yeah. to the beat. That's hey, always a, that's yeah. always a, like, I'm going to bust you down to the right. beat so fast your head's going to spin. Right. And when you get busted down to the beat, you pe- you pull people over for seatbelt violations and you end up tasing a, uh, an innocent dude for no goddamn reason yeah. because you're angry. You're not smart enough to be a detective. Yeah. And didn't one, isn't one of these guys wearing like a leather vest? He's wearing a leather vest. He's got his badge. He looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter. I mean. <laughs> It, it is, it, and they're both very fat. It's they're insane. big fat dudes. They, oh, of course they're fat. I mean, you know, these small town Hammond, Indiana. I don't know what the crime rates are in Hammond, Indiana, but I cannot imagine that it's through the damn roof. I cannot assume that this is going to be the next attack of a terrorism uh, event. I don't think that anyone in Hammond, Indiana, is really under any actual threat. It looks like that it's a suburb of Gary, Indiana. 
Okay, so Gary, Indiana, which I believe is where the Jackson... Actually, it's bigger than Gary, Indiana. It's bigger. Yeah, it's 80,000 people, which is a tiny town. 80,000? But, yeah, that's actually more I than mean, I assumed. But I mean, yeah. it's a little... It's it's bigger, but, I mean, comparatively, it's not all that large. Right. So these cops are going in there. They're just trying to, you know, pull over somebody for a seatbelt violation, um, you know, to get, to get that number on there so they can check that off their list for the day. So they got their... What do you... Uh, you know, they're... they're um, their uh, you know, quotas, their quota, yeah. So they got their quota, and then of course they're like, "Well, let's go for let's let's heighten this up a little bit and see if we can't get ourselves a weapon charge as well." And then that's what it turns into. Well, the uh, the crime rate in Hammond, Indiana, is fairly high. It is. It looks like that it's a it's a pretty high crime rate. What uh, they got? Uh, let's see here. Crime rate legend. Let's see here. In 2012, it's not terribly high, but it's been dropping over the years. In 2000, they had 22 murders uh, oh, per, per 100,000, so 22 okay. murders in a year. But in 2012, they only had six murders. It looks like uh, that their biggest problem is theft, but overall, crime is down in Hammond, Indiana, as opposed to about 10 years ago. Right. So it's not that terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the U.S. average is uh, 301 crimes per 100,000 people. Hammond, Indiana, it's 450 crimes per 100,000 okay. people. So it is a fairly crime-ridden place, it's and not it also as bad as Chicago. Well, it borders Chicago, right? Yeah. So it's uh, they're, it's, they're, they're got, buddies. They've got they're, spillover from they're Chicago. Buddy states. Yeah. <laughs> buddy states. Yeah, yeah. Which is very, very interesting. So you got yeah. So I mean, you know, there are there is a little bit of crime um, there, and and so maybe you know the cops are in there and they're and they're looking for it and they're searching for it. But I guarantee you, while they were tasing that guy, knocking out his window and tasing that guy, dragging him to the ground, and uh, and not not getting the taser out of him, you know, for a good seems like about you know 30 40 50 seconds long enough i'm sure there was an actual crime happening that they could, probably could have solved yes you know if there's that many crimes this was not one of them absolutely you know? uh so we gotta you know it, it, you know it, it, it gets blown out of proportion it is uh when it comes to uh the racial stuff and when it comes to just it, it, that is all um that is not, the issue is these cops the militarization of the police force that's the major issue. What was it? Uh, is it called, uh, what is it, Posse Comitatus, Marcus? That's the whole thing. With, yeah. uh, so in 91, that's basically when uh, the Congress decided to get rid of that, and they allowed cops to start buying a bunch of military uh, weaponry and things. So basically, yeah, so, I mean, these cops, I was just talking to Rebecca Trent, the great owner here at the Creek in the Cave. Apparently there's a peanut festival. I'm forgetting what town. There was a peanut festival, and the police force brought a tank to it. And the whole point was they were worried about a terrorist attack at their peanut festival. And there is no more innocent situation than you can imagine than a peanut festival in America. And cops are bringing tanks or they bought a tank for it in order to prevent uh, some kind of bizarre attack uh, while it was occurring. I mean, that is the most... Um, the peanut festival itself is probably going to be gone in 10 years due to allergy concerns. You know, everyone's <laughs> going to be like, my kid can't be within a state uh, in, in the state that has a peanut festival in it. But it's really... It's, it's gone insane. And it was in Suffolk, Virginia. Apparently there were two bomb threats called in. Ended, uh, it caused at the peanut, peanut festival. It caused that caused the peanut festival parade to end early. The peanut <laughs> festival is ending early. 
<laughs> and the package that they found, the suspicious package they thought may have been the bomb, contained laundry and laundry detergent. So basically, it was, <laughs> oh my God. So it was it was Walter from the Big Lebowski throwing his laundry on the street. The get whites. The, yeah, get the, yeah, the whites. Get the, get the tanks in. Get get the goddamn, you know, you know, it, 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 red alert, red alert, red alert. Laundry is on the, uh, on the goddamn parade floor. I mean, it's insane. Uh. Everyone is overreacting so much to every little thing. I mean, tanks at a peanut festival, that is, should not be happening. There is no reason. At no point in, in this country's history, if you would have talked to Benjamin Franklin and be like, what do you expect to see at a peanut festival? Oh, a pig I'm about to eat. <laughs> a pig I just ate. Uh, a bunch of peanuts, obviously. Some stupid hats and some dumb hair. You know, and at no point would he mention tanks. No. You know, I mean, it's really gone off the rails. So, uh, you know, the cops, you know, Ferguson is obviously the number one example. I think Hammond as well. I mean, all of them, these small town officers have this big, big time equipment and they're not trained for it. And they're just, no. they're trigger happy. They're all, Ted Nugent's great, but Ted Nugent doesn't wear a badge. No. Thank God. <laughs> so if you want to be Ted Nugent, go out to the country, get some guns, hunt, feed yourself. Leave everybody alone, just like Ted does for the most part. For the most thinking. part. I mean, aside from the odd radio appearance and <laughs> yeah. terrible statements. <laughs> you know, he's a goofball, but yeah. I love him because he's just insane and harmless. And he actually helps out a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a good uh, Samaritan in a lot of ways. But that's what you got to do. Don't join the police force. It, these, these people joining the, uh, the, the, the police forces in these small towns, you know, bullies... Bullies are needed for a reason. Yes. I do think a lot of these cops went unbullied. And really? I think some of them went bullied. They might have went bullied. Yeah. They might have went unbullied. A lot of, and you know, I, I firmly, I, I see what you're saying, and I think that's a very popular theme. And I don't disagree with you wholeheartedly, Marcus, but I would say at the same time, you look at um, the, uh, Klebold. Uh, with with uh, you know Columbine and yeah, uh, what yeah, was yeah, it yeah. Harris right yeah Cleveland and Harris uh, they like the whole narrative was oh they were bullied they were beaten they were the assholes they yeah. were the bullies yes, and the they bullies were. went in to shoot up the school so I I do believe that a lot of times these bullies uh, and I want to say uh, jocks get a bad rep by the way if you're a jock you play a sport you actually have a talent you get it out yeah it's really the it's the people who aren't quite smart enough not quite tall enough a little bit too fat a little bit too weak. You know, to really find a place, those are the people who go into the police force a lot of times. I'm not saying always, of course. Um, but, you know, those are the people who don't have another outlet for their anger other than the state being like, you have power. Yeah. You know, and that's the major you issue. You passed a simple test. You passed a very simple You can't you're, be a fireman because you're not, you can't go upstairs. <laughs> uh, I don't think, we don't trust you to save a child from a burning building because you don't have morals. Yeah. But, uh, but you can't be a police officer. Yeah. I mean, there are some terrible, terrible cops out there. A lot of great cops out there, but uh, yeah. terrible ones, too. I'll give you an example uh, from Lubbock, Texas. When I was in college, there was a guy that his wife had left him. He went a little bonkers. He put right. all of the furniture out on his front yard, and he set it on fire. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> And you know that's kind of funny. That's a, like, that was a, a a movie with uh with um a funnier die. You know the guy uh, uh, with Will Ferrell. Will, Will Ferrell. Yeah, he had a movie where he put all his things on the front yard after a divorce. He yes. didn't burn it down. Yeah, yeah, no, he did, but he burned all the shit down. So right. people, of course, people called the cops. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, and he barricaded himself inside the house. Right. Uh, and the Lubbock police thought this is a good time to try out our new tank. 
Right. So they brought in the tank. They uh, rub, They fucking, I mean, they rammed the door down. They uh, shot, I think, some nerve gas in there right. uh, and various other SWAT-type tactics. Of course, these people weren't trained for any sort of SWAT-type right. tactics, and they fucking killed the guy. You know uh, and this is just a guy going through a bad divorce. So this is a you had tank, smoke bombs. Mm-hmm. What else was there? Uh, I think there was a large automatic rifles. Automatic rifles. You know what? Like they, it wasn't a SWAT team. These were regular police officers right. dying to try out their new toys. Right. You know what would have worked better? Set up a speaker. And then play Delilah, <laughs> the great <laughs> FM radio host who does nothing but solve problems of the heart. Yes. All she does is discuss love. That's all the man needed with somebody to talk to him. What happened to speaking to the guy uh, who wants to jump off the uh, who wants to jump off the top of a building? Whatever happened to that person? Yeah. Now they just they, they pepper spray him or they beanbag him. You know, th- all these little weapons that aren't quite lethal but they could very well be lethal are way overused yeah. the taser the beanbag gun the pepper spray uh, you know obviously the batons these the, the the things they were using in ferguson that they constantly use in the prisons the the um the electric uh you know uh, guard mm-hmm. the fences thing that they use there yeah i mean it's insane it's these little weapons i think that are more dangerous than the gun it's all impatience Right, like they can't. They they could talk this guy. They could have talked that guy out. They Delilah. could have got him out. Right, but he doesn't. They don't have the patience to sit there and listen to him and try to coax him out of there non-violently. There, there's a it, there's a certain amount of laziness to it. Yeah, you know, there's a certain amount. Oh of no, like, it's all laziness. It's all it's impatience. All laziness. It's, that's what all of it's about. They're the same people who listen to that old country music, and I love the old country music about working hard in the field and like you know taking care of your family and and and, and things like that. And uh, they're the same people who put themselves in the shoes of uh, of the everyday working man when in reality all they do is mess with the everyday working man's life. Yeah. That's all they do, but they put themselves in the in the uh, in the uh, in the superhero costume when they put on their badge and they don't realize that they're not out there uh, to, for their own ego. They they should be out there to help us out. Yeah. Because that's I mean, for the most part they should be I feel like there should be a quota for helping people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, there's a quota for arrest. There's a quota yeah. for you know whatever pulling people over for drugs, finding guns. What about a quota for helping a dude, you know, find uh, his keys? Yeah, and you could you get know? him on camera. Like you have yeah. a qu- you have to have a quota of four people a week giving a big thumbs up yeah. into your camera and saying. Thanks, police officer. Right. Be- police officer Garrett. Right. You made my day. My car, my, my tire was flat, and you fixed my tire for me. Thank you so much. I mean, that would be a nice quota. Yeah. And more than four a week. One a day. One a day. I think that's a, One a day. I, I think Just, that's reasonable. You know, you had that cop who gave the guy uh, the boots over here in New York City last winter. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that. That was nice, and it went viral. And I think the police definitely need to have... They gotta, they gotta step up their game. I mean, there's a lot of great cops out there. Start filming yourself doing good things and stop. You know, if you are a true conservative, that's the irony. A lot of these cops think of themselves as conservatives. They should know that pulling somebody over simply because of a seatbelt violation is unconstitutional. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. It is a victimless crime. It's the definition of a victimless crime. The only person that would get killed even if they had an accident was the person not wearing the seatbelt. You know. So if they want to be these conservative renegades, like they, I guarantee you these these Hammond, Indiana cops are all conservative. I, yeah. I it's, a, it's a general statement. I don't know it. Do I have I asked them? No. Has it been published? No. But I I would bet my life on it. 
I would literally, you can murder me if one of those people <laughs> voted for Barack Obama. Yeah. You can, I will, I will shoot my fucking self <laughs> if I hear that one of those Hammond, Indiana cops voted for a Democrat. Yeah. Um, Barack Obama specifically. So they all need to start adhering to the own poli- to the policies that they pretend to believe in in the first place. You know, that's what I think anyway. Um, but yeah, fun episode, Marcus. Yeah, man. Um, I love you, buddy. Love you too. Uh, let's see. Anything to press? Uh, that's Marcus Parks on Twitter. I am Ben Kissel on Twitter. This is coming out Tuesday, right? Yeah. Uh, so I got my week at the creek. So I'm here uh, uh, t- tonight. Uh, this is Tuesday. Uh, tonight, Marcus and I are going to be doing a horror show, kind of yeah. a fun thing. We're going to discuss serial killers and macabre. Wednesday is going to be a fun, like, where the future of America should go. Thursday and Friday is going to be stand-up. So uh, come on out to that here at the Creek. And- it's at 7 p.m. every day. Yes, 7 p.m. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Yeah,